Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Circuit. I am Ben Beharin. Greetings, programs. I'm Jay Goldberg. All sorts of interesting things keep happening as we near summer. We uh, There's many, many events going on from people speaking at investor conferences, everybody wanting to talk about AI. We've had the continual run since the last time we talked about NVIDIA and their historic guide. Um, but there's an interesting debate that I don't know if everybody in our, of our listeners um, understand around the data center and semiconductors. And I, 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 this, this point is actually another similar point about client and future, but right now it's relative to the data center. Whether or not the AI lift or the AI chips is an additive, so an additional growth TAM to data center, or whether it's going to take away dollars from other other segments, meaning will they not spend on their traditional cloud um, processors and instead focus on GPUs or AI? So that's a debate. I'm just going to kind of lo- lob it out to you, Jay, for your first uh, first take. Is AI additive or accretive to data center TAM or is it going to take away from other sections of the annual semiconductor spend? Yeah, I, my thinking on this has changed a lot in the last couple, last week, really. I, my initial take was it, it's not going to do, it, it can't be additive, right? Because there's only so many CapEx dollars out there and CFOs are only going to be willing to spend so much for AI. But I, I've, I've changed that. I think I, I think it's a cycle. And I think what's going to happen in the in the immediate term, there's not a lot of change. Right, I think because it's just the, these all the data center in particular is on long budgeting cycles. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to build a data center. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anything's going to change immediately. And I also think everybody's still trying to figure out what their plan is. And by everybody, I mean the hyperscalers. But I do think that over the next year plus, uh, it will it will be additive. There will be a lot more semiconductor spend around AI in addition to what everyone else is going to do because they have to run their businesses in addition to planning for this great, brave AI future. So Google and Facebook have have to keep doing search and social media. Uh, plus they have to do AI to, you know, to catch up or to get ahead or, or stay, maintain their position, whatever you want to frame it as. So I think soon we'll start to see additive dollars and then eventually it will it, that will taper off. It'll be a big sort of hump, and then it will taper off and sort of blend with the rest of the spend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think in the near term, people are going to have to spend a lot on all things AI. Yeah, I tend. I mean, I I agree. I I've always believed that it's additive. I think where where I think the challenge to this additive spend is is everybody that you hear doing these massive deployments or research projects or trying to buy thousands of H100s is clearly trying to make sure they're not left behind. And my, my concern with this kind of initial bubble, because I've seen, and you've seen a number of the same reports as me, that a lot of um, financial modeling for this is, is, is modeling a sustained growth period 
through the next five years. And I look at this like if a company makes that spend year one, year two, and then monetizes it, meaning that they either see direct value growth to their business or they're able to charge their customers to make money, then they'll keep making money. I mean, they'll keep spending on those on those solutions. But we don't know if that's what's going to happen. It could be exactly what you said, which is, and the, and the life cycle of a data center from everybody that we can gauge is somewhere between five and six years. And so you look at that and say, okay, well, it's, it's, it's not like it's all of a sudden going to be three years unless people are just making hand and fist money as a software company on, on this technology. So they're essentially going to look at this as a, as a role, right, in terms of the hyperscalers, right? How many instances they add now, they might roll over until it's all the instances in two or three years of a conversion. But I do think we run the risk of this being a big spend up front and then maybe some tip off if again, unless people are just, everybody's making money hand over fist, which we don't know. It could happen, but if that doesn't happen, it's it's an initial cycle, like you said, and then we're sort of back to cyclicality, right? Instead of a sustained five-year growth period. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, if you think about it, when we first talked about AI, what, 10 episodes ago, my, my take was we still don't know exactly what we're going to do with all this. There's right. There's the, the, the consumer use case is still very unclear for a lot of generative AI. I think everybody agrees. There's something there. There's a lot of exciting technology, uh, but how are people going to monetize it is still unclear in a lot of sectors. Like, yeah, if you're doing content marketing, it, it's very obvious, mm. but in a lot of these other areas, I think the use cases are still super unexplored. Um, right. And you think about uh, NVIDIA's analyst event, the developer event, DTC, what was it a month ago, two months ago, where they just had so many different use cases, right? NVIDIA AI in the, in healthcare and energy and transportation and industrial. And I don't think anyone really knows what that means yet. And so as, as those develop, that's, that's really what's going to determine the long-term spending yep. pattern. Right. I mean, yeah. obviously, in the near term, NVIDIA is doing doing fantastic numbers. Yeah. But I think there's yeah. a, a broader story. And I, th I think that's kind of what we're getting at is what's in it for everybody else. And yeah. I think there is a big opportunity for companies not named NVIDIA. Uh, but it, it's it, that will take time to emerge. And, and I, th I think what will ultimately happen, it's going to be a big shift in share of wallet around heterogeneous compute. And this is something you and I have talked about a lot, which is you know, what's the future for CPUs? Like ultimately, do we start s selling fewer CPUs because there's so much money going to GPUs? I think yeah. in, the, in the near term, in the near term, it doesn't matter. We're going to sell a lot of both. But over yeah. time, those those trends are going to be really important for quite a few companies. Right. No, I, I you're, you're, you're exactly right, which which sort of leads to this, this follow-up point. Um, you know, I've been talking to a, f a few friends who do, who do AI software, machine learning software, training, et cetera. And one of the things that they've that they've pointed out, and and this is consistent across multiple people that I've talked to, is this stage that we're in right now. And I and I think again, it's because it's early. Whether it sustains is these are very complex workloads. Is kind of the, the way they keep talking about this. It's just a lot of complication in your process and in your flow and in everything you do from training to inference. It's just a, it's a complex workload now. Now we sit at this junction, which is, well, do complex workloads benefit from 
a single compute solution like a GPA, for example, or that, that can do general purpose technology, or does it benefit from more heterogeneity when it's in this cycle? And to some degree, I don't know if we know, but I think that being fleshed out will talk a lot about who's best positioned, assuming that these 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 workflows don't become less complex over time, which they might as technology evolves. But for the foreseeable future, very, very complex workflows. Um, and that that's what I'll be curious to play. Because right now they're just like, it's just easier to do everything on the GPA. And that, that's fine. Is that a, is that a, Truth that extends forever, or is it a short-term truth? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely think that this will be more than just a GPU story, and it'll be more than just an NVIDIA GPU story. They, they will be the leader; they will have a very strong position. But it, it's going to be—it has to be everyone else. I, I, I think for the economics of this to work out, we're going to have to do an awful lot of AI inference at the edge on the device right. rather than in the cloud. I, I just, it's hard for me to see everybody using GPT, ChatGPT, and other generative systems with all of that workload being done in the cloud. We're, it's, a lot of it is going to have to move to the edge. Uh, yeah. and, and that, and, and I also think there's a, still a, a lot of it's going to end up on CPU, right? A lot of inference is going to end up on the CPU just because of, I mean, certainly in the near term, NVIDIA GPUs cost so much and they're so hard to get. I, I don't see how you do all that. I, I'm sure that the TCO models, the total cost of ownership models, look pretty good in, in certain cases for doing generative a, AI inference on CPU. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. It, it's interesting that's not part of the conversation, which sort of leads me to the, the secondary topic here, which is right now when you look at the, the, the parts of silicon relative to AI that seem to get the most play, conversational play, is GPUs and AI ASICs, whether that's custom right. silicon ASICs or just dedicated accelerators or AI, AI ASICs. And so part of, part of me, right, is it, it, I scratched my head for the same point that you said, which is that, well, we should be talking more about inference, even though memory plus CPU inference go, goes hand in hand. Everybody seems to be talking about the huge boost that's coming to GPAs G, or FPG or G, GPUs and and AI ASICs. And so I'm just curious, like, what what do you, why do you think those two things get the vast majority of the play? I think that's that's just because where we are in in AI workloads, like you know, for historically, <laughs> which doesn't mean a lot in AI. The last few years. Historically, we've done all of our AI math on GPUs, and there, mm. there are good reasons for that. It's it's a highly parallelizable uh, computation that has to be done, suited really, really well to GPUs. And because of CUDA it, and and being able to play around at low level with the silicon that that allows, it's, that's meant NVIDIA. Um, so I think that's just where we're starting from that position. And, and plus, we obviously have the example of NVIDIA's crazy numbers. But I don't, I don't think people have really sussed out how the inference market is going to look. Yeah. Right? We can all agree training is going to stay with NVIDIA, right? Yeah. We're going to talk about AMD's yeah. event in a little bit. AMD just had a big event, and they didn't really talk about training at all, right? And if, if, if they're not talking about training, nobody else really has a shot at it. So training, let's just set that aside. That's going to be NVIDIA for the foreseeable future. 
then we have to look at inference, break down that market. It's really two things. It's, it's cloud inference and edge inference. And I, I think the dynamics of those two segments are going to be really different. The, the cloud inference is largely about hyperscalers and what they're going to do. And from what I can tell, they're all trying to figure it out themselves and they're all trying to do the math and figure out how much of this is GPU, how much is AI accelerator of some sort, and then how much is CPU. And I'm not convinced any of them have solved those equations yet. Even, Even Microsoft, who seems pretty far ahead in all this, hasn't totally sussed it out. But that's going to be the fight. It's going to be the th- those three components and some some mix in the data center in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Inference at the so, edge is is going to be a huge market. Like I said, I think a lot of this has to be done. That's even more complicated to figure out because it, it's so many different devices. And I think the this this market is is I know a lot of people are talking about it. It's going to everyone says it's going to be huge. It's going to be the biggest. I'm not convinced, actually, that there's going to be a lot of incremental spend there. Mm-hmm. Data center inference, absolutely additive, huge market. But for edge inference, I think it's going to be really challenging because the the places on the chips where you're going to want to do that, those sockets are already owned by you know pretty tightly, right? Smartphone, it's going to be Apple and Qualcomm and MediaTek, right? And there's not a lot of room in the phone for having a third somebody else come in and have a dedicated AI accelerator in a phone. That's going to be one of the existing vendors and they're going to struggle to monetize it. Qualcomm and MediaTek in particular, I think are going to really struggle to monetize that because how, how do you, you know, charge, how do you charge a customer for AI? That should just be a feature. Exactly. It's not a product. Yeah. It's not a product. Right. Right. And so and I, I've written about this a bunch where it's just like there's edge inference is a feature in another product while Cloud inference is a whole new product category. And that means really different monetization paths for those companies. Yep. Um, all right. So let's let's jump to the AMD event. So it's it's important, I think, to at least an interesting observation that every everybody I've heard talking about um this market that we're talking about sort of says, who's going to benefit from AI? It's NVIDIA and then possibly AMD. Most likely AMD, but but possibly AMD. But AMD had a really good event. They launched a bunch of stuff, which we should talk about. Um, but I'll let you start with just a couple a couple highlights, uh, takeaways from the event from, from your side. So I, I would say that overall highlight is that they have, they continue to execute very well, right? They have a great CEO, Lisa Su, probably one of the best top three CEOs in semis today. And they are just executing solidly as, as they have for as long as she's been in charge. They have all these new products. They're touching on all the different corners, existing, existing products, new products, sort of product lines. I mean, right. I, I thought they looked really formidable on that front. They have answers. They have solid answers to all the questions. All that's they they look really well positioned. So of course the stock fell five percent that day, right? Because I, I I don't know exactly why. I think you know some of it was buy the rumor, sell the news, and so people sort of saw what saw what they expected and said, all right, that's that's good enough, and they got out. Uh, I think 
a few people I talked to at the event, a few investors I talked to in the event had hoped to see more specific mm. customer announcements around some of these AI products. But, uh, you know, at, at some point, I mean, they had, what do they have? Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, Meta. Yeah. A- Amazon, Hugging Face, uh, PyTorch. All, I mean, all, like all these very serious companies come show up and, you know, give testimony to AMD's products. So I think they did really well on that front, but I do think at the same time, investors are perhaps justifiably concerned how much of this market can they really peel away, right? We, we know they're good at CPUs. We know they're continuing to gain share in the data center. They're, they're fighting it out with Intel and client. So that's all sort of status quo. What's incremental here is around AI. And I think most investors just are now assuming that AI is, you know, 100% NVIDIA. Mm. So I, I agree. I, I think to your point about, you know, they didn't, they talked about training, but definitely not, not as much as I think people wanted them to talk about training. I think if they would have had a super strong story, product lineup, defensible position where it was clear that, yep, you're going to, you're going to supplement NVIDIA and take share from NVIDIA. I think that would have helped a lot. Um, I know from some of our NDA conversations, which you can't talk about, there was some posture of confidence that, um, that, that there would be some, uh, maturity in their GPU roadmap and software that, uh, that would start to position itself accordingly against NVIDIA, but we don't, we don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, there was one product though, that I thought was interesting. And, and I make this point from an architectural standpoint, which is, you know, they announced their MI 300 at CES and everybody was pretty excited about that. And then they just launched a version of that, which is the MI 300 X, which is specifically built for machine learning models. And what I find fascinating about this was they took their their chiplet approach in the MI300 and basically swapped out some components and put in new components dedicated to this MI300X for machine learning. And it's this modular benefit of chiplet approach that I think is truly fascinating because it basically suggests, and this was kind of my, my, my takeaway and my highlight, which is a technical one, but it basically suggests that when you take this chiplet approach and you have a very modular design to your roadmap, you actually have a bit more of a dynamic and fluid roadmap than back in the days of monolithic, where you were, you know, looking three, four years out decisions today of your core. And once they were stuck, you couldn't really change them. And so the fact that on a relatively quick timeline in AMD was able to say, we see an opportunity. We have a flexible and adaptable architecture that we can modularly swap out a, a piece of that component, put in another one and go target a market. I thought was really fascinating, whether that's, you know, a huge hit. There has been a lot of, I think, sent positive sentiment of the MI 300 line, but from a technical standpoint of, of roadmap, I think this modular approach is actually a really fascinating one from a from a from a semiconductor standpoint. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, th- their their chiplets, their 
modular, I think it's the right way to put it. Their modular approach is really, really fascinating. Just technically, the way they're able to mix and match is it, it, it's, you know, people, people have talked about chiplets for a while. I think there's a lot of excitement among certain people for chiplets. I think AMD is, is really the, I don't want to say the only, but clearly the best and one of the few that can actually like make it happen uh, and is, is doing some really, really fascinating things with it. Um, you know, using ha- having one chip that has different processes on it, pro- you know, different manufacturing processes, yeah. all sort of communicating together is is technically really really hard, uh, and they're they're doing a, a they're they're using it to its most to its utmost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. M- mind blowing too to think about. I, I you know I'm not a electrical engineer and I don't know how these things are 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 done, but just even the the mind blowing way it gets made on these tiles are made on different processes. Anyway, I, I, it just, it just, to me, it, it made me very intrigued with the way that, that AMD can adapt its roadmap for different segments of the market um, and just decide how they want to configure these things that, that they feel will give them the most value. So technically I thought that was interesting. The, the other part that I thought was interesting was um, really starting to target what a classification of, of, the data center that they call cloud native. And so that is your traditional um, e-commerce web loads, your, um, your, you know, streaming services, just stuff that runs in the cloud. And they have a whole series now of, of, of products designed to go after these solutions that focus on performance, but also performance per watt, handling all of the workloads that's necessary and sort of these cloud web applications that, that run online, but also trying to do so with less rack space, thus acquire, you know, requiring less power. So less of a footprint by a hyperscaler or a cloud service writer, less energy per rack. And I thought it was interesting because to some degree, this is an attempt to encroach at the value position of some of the arm based c- CPU designs. Um, Ampere being one, but also Graviton and Amazon's not, or AMD's not going to say that since Graviton, Amazon's a customer, but the value proposition of, of what ARM was trying to come to, it was interesting that AMZ said, look, we got a lineup that speaks directly to that value proposition in this cloud native application area. Yeah, it's, it, I, I caught that too, because cloud native is a term that I, th- I think Ampere is used pretty strongly in their marketing position, their marketing materials. And here here was AMD also using that terminology. And I think, I mean, this goes back to when I was at Qualcomm and we were trying to sell ser- uh, server CPUs. The, the amount of variability inside of the different data center workloads is, is pretty significant. Mm. Some, there are some workloads that are just never going to fit on, X, on ARM. Right, we, we sort of just knew that, and so they're just going to have to be run on x86. But there are lots of others that run today. I would say run better on ARM than they do on x86, and it, it takes a lot of planning to sort of figure that out. Um, but we definitely see that in the the hyperscalers purchasing plans. They they know like they know what what workloads are going to assign to different things. It's not. I think most people who aren't in the market sort of just assume they're just going to buy a bunch of CPUs and plug them in and run everything on them. But there's a lot more planning and fine tuning and getting matching applications, certain things. And that's a really important part of how you sell to those customers is being right. able to 
say this is the product for just basic you know web serving this is this is the product for streaming this is the product for search queries right and this is you know this is the product for social media graph pl plotting um and so it's interesting to see amd using their chiplets and their modular approach to go after that um and just being able to reflect that in their marketing is is, is pretty it's pretty solid it's a pretty good yeah. idea yeah and i think it really just is this emphasis on you know we we talk about performance per watt a lot on client devices but over the last couple of years you've you've noted that the narrative toward data center has also been toward performance per watt to the degree that they've leaned on that for HPC, you know, high performance workloads or AI workloads, which are not going to be uh, perform, you know, a, a a low power demand. The, these products are relatively standard standardized in you know the web um, workflows that they run for for software companies, databases, JavaScript, etc. So it makes sense that that's uh, an approach where they're focusing more on performance per watt, but you're hearing them say it more, right? That this is the area where high performance at lower wattage matters because we want less racks. We want less energy. We want you to save those costs. And so I, I thought that segmentation was good. I, I think again, you're, you're, you're right in that, that, that it, there are a lot of stuff I think that run well on arm. I think the key is going to be who, who can do it. And I guess I'd be curious on your point. I think the TCO story is now the one that comes into play. Everybody's strategy. That's Ampere's story now is not just performance per watt. They have that. But can I do this? Can I do the same workloads with less chips and less energy? And that's the battlefield Intel, AMD, and Ampere, I think, are going to fight out for, let's just call it this cloud native category. Yeah. The, the biggest constraint on data centers on the cloud is power. Yeah. When you build a new data center, you you have a, a power budget, right? Even before you have a dollar budget, you have a power budget. You only have so many, whatever, kilowatts, gigawatts. Was it megawatts? You you can use and you design around that. And that that's the key constraint. And yeah, you'll you you know you'll stretch it here and there because you know twenty percent of your workloads have to be super high power. Yep. You know, applications running. But but that's the stretch. You, 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 by doing that, you're going to give up somewhere else, and so you have to switch to a lower power for something else. And I, modeling that is is not easy. Uh, I think they spent a lot of time thinking through all those things, and they probably could don't even know. It's probably as much art as science. Uh, but that's that's the real constraint: is how much power we have. And let's figure out everything else based on that. And so it makes sense. I mean, we, the, this TCO is is now the main point of conversation because that's that's what you know that's what customers are really that's how they buy things they buy things with tco models they have really really complicated tco models and they they look at not just the cost of the chip but also the server and then particularly the power power is a huge huge yeah you know component of of all this yeah for running everything and then cooling it down I and mean, cooling is is probably as big a you know power usage as just running the server itself yeah no totally agree and, and i really do think you know, because you and I were talking about this this TCO narrative um, at the event. You know, I, I feel like the that Ampere had a a growing narrative on TCO for the last couple of years that that Intel and AMD just didn't have the same story. And I think these products from AMD and ones that will be coming from Intel are clearly designed at that narrative. 
that 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 had been growing as the reason why so many people had been optimistic about um, about ARM in the data center because it really did have a TCO value. And so I think this now has shown me for the first time because I just didn't think last year's uh, roadmap, both pro- products, both from AMD and Intel, had that. They didn't have that same story that Ampere had. And I think now they're creeping into that sector and now their story's stronger. This TCO story's stronger from, from AMD. That's that's interesting to me because I, I come at it from from the ARM side of things, from Qualcomm, where that was the story, was the TCO. And I think that's always been embedded in the ARM marketing angle, ARM and its ecosystem is, right? It's, there, there is that, uh, you know, that sort of thinking in the, in the industry that oh, ARM is always going to be more power efficient, which isn't totally true. Um, it, ARM is power efficient, certainly in mobile, but as they've moved into the data center, they use that as a really powerful tool to say, hey, we're, we're, we get the same performance with, you know, half the power or whatever. And the ARM side is actually, it's interesting. They've been moving in a little bit of the other direction, increasing their, their power usage and sort of shrinking that advantage a little bit because they, they have to do that to get after some of the bigger workloads. Um, And so they're, but, but it's, it is, it is telling that the x86 camp is now adopting the same language. They've had to respond because ARM has been fairly successful in making its inroads. And, And so it doesn't, it's not surprising that Intel and AMD are using that language too. They have to. Yeah. So interesting battle there on, and I do like as much as I'm sure Ampere hates that AMD and others are using this cloud native term. It makes sense because there are cloud first applications, software applications, services. So it makes sense that you call them cloud native. So I'm not terribly worked up about us using that as a categorical categorical name for that segment of product we're talking about. And then them starting to design products specifically for cloud native applications. I think that's okay. I actually like I like the distinction for it. But it's a separate battleground now that we have cloud native AI. I don't know what else we'd add to that, but you know what I mean? Like we're segmenting the data center in more ways than we had a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, we we, we have to we all now have to talk about TCO because that's how the customers, the hyperscalers actually make their purchase decisions. So it's important to understand TCO. And then I, I don't know if you noticed at, at one point, uh, AMD threw up a slide about cloud native ecosystem. And it was just this incredible eye chart. It was like a hundred different logos, like all mapped out. And yeah, I, I, I got to like study that because they, they've done exactly that. They've segmented it all out and it, it is, it's so complicated. It's so complicated. Yeah. Well, it's interesting though. I mean, like I said, it, it, segmenting the data store, the data center is not brand new, but the, it, I think it shows the emerging and complexity, right? Of all these, of all these workloads, the data center is taking on more workloads. AI is an example of that. People have been, you know, obviously hosting video and all of their apps and, you know, web applications, et cetera. But it's 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 segmenting more into a wider range of, of workflows. So I think that's interesting, but it makes sense that semiconductor companies have to target. You know, they're saying, well, this is this is the segment I'm going after. This is the segment this this product makes sense for. So like I said, not a brand new dynamic, but it's definitely one that's growing, the segmentation in, in data center. Well, I mean, going back to what we we're talking about, the, the top of this episode was AI. 
I mean, you, you look at the power consumption of these AI systems, it's, it's yes. through the roof, it's blowing everybody's power budget. Yeah. And so, and, and there's no easy way around it. And as much as we've been talking about AI being additive to CapEx and semiconductor spend in data center, it's, it's very much a problem when it comes to power. And it, that, that, I think that more than anything else is going to be able to hold things back. Well, that and availability of NVIDIA chips are yeah. going to be what holds back AI for, for, you know, for a while now. Yeah, to- totally agree. All right. Well, interesting times. We'll, uh, we'll wrap this one. And uh, I sure a, a topic that will come back <laughs> relative, relatively frequently too. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Thank you.